All right. Um, I had one quick thing I want to pray for, and then we'll jump into our sermon. But um, uh, so, is anybody familiar with New Era Christian School? New Era Christian. Um, there was a young girl there who passed away this week at the age of five because she um, it's like a choking hazard type of thing. And so, this is the Durga family. And uh, man, so if there's anybody that we as a church could just stop and pray for, it's the Durga family. Um, as they're wrestling with the loss of their child. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity for us to minister to them by going to the Lord. So if you would, please just bow with me, and let's pray for the Durga family. God, uh, I just want to pray for this family, Lord, that there's families in our church connected to them, and their hearts are breaking because their daughter, Belle, uh, went to be with you, Lord, and that's so hard, and there's so much grieving that happens, and I uh, can't even imagine it, Lord, um, but you can. Um, God, you are the great comforter. You're the great peace giver. Oh, God, you, you can g- give peace that surpasses all understanding. Where our words fall short, Lord, you can meet their, these needs. So I just want to pray for the Durga family, the mom and the dad, and grandmas and grandpas, and all the family, siblings, cousins, that you just give them peace, God. I pray that through this, they just draw close to you. They cling to your promises of your scripture and Lord, I know a piece of them is going to be missing until they're in the other side of this life. Um, but God, just help them fill that broken peace with you, Lord. And so we just pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you guys for joining me in that. And just continue to lift up the Durga family, Lord, or guys. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Um, so this is our last five days in the 40 days of prayer. Okay, I believe today is day 37. Um, we have 60 people that are signed up for our prayer text that goes out every morning at 6 a.m. Um, and so once the 40 days is over, we're asking what to do with that group because there's, six, there's, uh, there's about 140 that are signed up for our J-Road text. We send a couple of those out a week or when there's big changes that come up, we'll send that out. But the prayer text is 60 people have signed up specifically for prayer. And so we're asking God and, and each other how we could best use that going forward. So we might use it as like a prayer chain. So if there's like a prayer request that comes out in our church family, we might use that as a resource. So stay on that. And, um, you know, we might use that going forward for prayers that come up in the church. And, uh, but until now, until Wednesday, we're going to be praying. And this week's theme is um, missional living. And how can we be missional in our living? Um, and this is very important. Re- the reason being is, is because um, we've all heard of the term missionary, right? Did anybody go to a church where you had, like, missions week when you were growing up? Like, we, and in the Alliance, like, back in, like, a lot of old-school Alliance churches, and when the Alliance is our denomination, we used to have missions emphasis week, where a missionary would come and stop by our church, like, a couple missionaries each night. So Monday you'd go and you'd hear from one, Tuesday you'd go and hear from another, and, th- you know, Wednesday— and you were always excited to hear, like, which one got bit by, like, a hippo or something in Africa. And uh, they brought trinkets and told about being missionaries. And this was, like, it was, it was kind of cool. And it was cool to hear about missionaries and what they're doing. Um, but here's the reality that I want you guys to walk away with and really bleed out of us as a church, is that each one of us are called to be missionaries. If you're here today and you follow Jesus, and you claim to be a Christian, you are a missionary, all right? Now, I know we're not the missionaries that go overseas, and we might not have to go across the world, but we are called to be missionaries. 
And so what is a missionary? I have a simple definition for you. A missionary is an ordinary person living out the mission of God where they, learn, where they live, learn, work, or play. Living out the mission of God where they live, learn, work, or play. And so that's, that's all of us. And so what is, what is the mission of God? What is the mission of God? Who Just shout something out. Spreading the word. There you go. Next, next slide, please. Jesus said, I believe in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, and so when we think of all nations, we think of, hey, West Africa, be a missionary over there. But it also includes the street that you live on, that we are called to make disciples on the street that you live on. We are missionaries where we live, learn, work, and play um, in every area of your life. God has specifically planted you there to share the gospel and to make disciples. And that is uh, the emphasis of this message in this week. Um, and our mission as a church, and in, in line with Go and Make Disciples, is our mission at Jericho Road is to reach the lost, equip the found, and save the willing. Reach, equip, send. Reach the lost, equip the found. And that's sort of what equipping the found is, is like what we're doing with Equip You, is like teaching us how to read God's Word, how to interpret God's Word for ourselves. And so, in, in, in part of that mission is reaching the lost and sending the willing, but the lost is a very big word, all right? And so when we say, we as a church, we want to reach the lost, that sometimes causes confusion, right? Like, number one, it's like, who is lost and, and what does that mean? Um, so it's good to define that. Um, a better way to say lost is any person who isn't following Jesus, you know? Like, any person— whose foundation in their life is not Jesus. Like, so like maybe it's somebody who has no connection to a church home. Maybe they're, um, maybe they're atheist. Maybe they just don't know anything about Jesus. Maybe they're curious. Maybe they're not curious. But it's anybody who is not following Jesus. And they don't know Jesus, so they're not following Jesus. So, re so regarding our mission as a church to reach the lost, how do we step into the lostness around us? Whether you drive from here to your house or you drive from here anywhere around Muskegon, how do we step into the lostness of Muskegon, North Muskegon, Fruitport, Norton Shores, Grand Haven, Spring Lake, Ravana, Roosevelt Park, downtown Muskegon? How do we approach the lostness? Like, what's the best way to do that? And how do we do that? Like, how does the church do that? It's a very important question. I think about this all the time. And here's a good thing. The lostness of Steel neighborhood, you know, you look around, there's like 150 houses like just from the church to Getty on these two streets. Um, how do we approach the lostness there? You may think, hey, when we, when we moved here from Mill Iron and we started services here and like the church that was meeting here, you know, they were down to kind of, you know, 20, 15 people and they, they left. But when we move here, you know, people are just going to come out of their houses and flock here on Sunday mornings because we're starting to have service here and we have a more up-to-date sign and, uh, you know, we take better care of our grass and all that good stuff. Um, we've been here for about two and a half years, and I will say that has not been the case, that people have just busted down our doors trying to get in simply because that we put a church building in a neighborhood. That just hasn't been the case, right? I've knocked on every door from here to Getty on these two streets probably eight times. Me, Brian, 
Mark has, you know, a couple other people. We've knocked on every door a number of times. I've built some relationships. We've invited people to our Christmas store. We've seen a lot of success with that. Um, we've had cookouts. But on Sunday morning where the gospel's preached, they're not flooding in. So it's like, how do we approach the lostness? Is it the church just do, does more programs? Do, do we send out more mailers? You know, do we try to do that? Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I think it starts with the church seeing themselves as missionaries and living out the calling of Jesus where they live, learn, work, and play. That's how we reach the lost. It's not going to be through a church program. It's not going to be through a special event. It's not going to be for having the best Easter service of any church in Muskegon. We're not going to reach the lost those ways. We may reach Christians that way, and that's cool, but we're not going to reach the lost or people who aren't following Jesus. Um, so, in, in I will say this, over the past few months, we do see guests here on a, on a, you know, talking about people busting doors. We do see guests here. And over the past, like, two years, when we see a brand new visitors or brand new guest, typically what we see is about 99.9% of them are Christians from other churches. And that is a blessing. That is good. And if you've started to come to JR in the last two years, I am so glad you are here. And I'll tell you why. It's found in Matthew 9, verse 37 and 38. Jesus said this. He said um, to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And when you look out into Muskegon, and you look around us in your neighborhoods, there's an abundance of people that don't know Jesus. We could plant 30 churches, and every church in Muskegon can multiply 10 times, and we're still scratching the surface of the lostness of Muskegon. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? Few. So every time we see people here that have decided to leave their church for whatever reason, as long as they feel like they're, they left not in bad terms, but on decent terms or good terms, um, we welcome them here to join our mission because the harvest is so plentiful and the workers are few. And I believe that's going to be the case till Jesus returns. We're not, um, like, no church is competing against each other. If anything, I'm supporting all the churches around us because I want them to do well. If the churches succeed in our area, the kingdom succeeds in our area. The lost and the darkness shrinks down into the light. And, like, I want every church to do well as long as they're preaching the gospel. They're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ then. Yeah, that's a different story yeah, for a different sermon <laughs> that I don't need to worry about because God's called me here. Um, so many times churches look to how much they've grown, and, and that's really good, and we want to grow. Um, but how much a church's Sunday morning attendance has grown does not necessarily determine how many lost people they're reaching. Okay? Does that make sense? Like, it's not an accurate figure of how we're approaching the lostness of Muskegon. And um, because, again, it could just be churches, you know, as they say, shuffling sheep. Um, and it's not really approaching the lost. And so, and this is the other thing I keep going back to. Um, I believe one of the best places for your lost friends and family to go to as a first step into the church is over to your house for a Super Bowl party. I think that's one of the best places you know, sitting over the veggie tray, eating, dipping their broccoli in the ranch and talking to you. Uh, 
and eating some Dr. Ross takeout over, uh, you know, watching the, Mich- or the whatever game's on on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, Super Bowl, right? Um, that is the best place lost people can be, and it's so much better of an intro than inviting them to church on a Sunday morning. And, and I don't mean for that to be a wow factor. It just is. Think about it. If you invite your neighbor who doesn't ever go to church and they don't really know much about Jesus, you're asking them to get up early on their only day off to sing songs they don't know in front of people they've never met. <laughs> it's like, no, thank you. I like my Sundays. Uh, I'll come to your house, though. You know, I'll come to your house and hang out for a little bit. And then, you know, and have people over and, and approach lostness that way of, of your where you live, learn, work, and play. So wherever you play, if you play disc golf, hey, invite the, the women and guys over to your house, you know, for pizza afterwards. Uh, whether you're in school at Grand Valley, invite your students over, you know, your classmates over. Um, and the second best first step, other than in your house around the broccoli tray at Super Bowl Sunday, is your missional community. Your missional community are people just hanging out that were just eating broccoli over the broccoli tray, and now they're just opening up the Bible and talking about it in a comfortable setting. They're not getting up at, at 9 a.m. on their only day off to sing songs they don't know around people they've never met and hear a pastor they may not even like. <laughs> right? But they like you. They agreed to come to your house. And so missional communities are a great place, and I'll talk about that in a minute as well. Um, and I'm not bashing the Sunday morning church. This is where the bride of Christ gathers to celebrate. We love it. We get encouraged like we are worshiping Jesus. Um, it's just not always the best first step for people who don't know Jesus is, is, hey, come to my institution. It's more like, hey, come to my house and find out what I'm about. And that's a great way to share the gospel. Or inviting them, like Kevin said, to board game night to see how people operate there because they're not getting up on their only day off at 9 a.m. and singing songs they don't know around people they never met. Um, so um, we are going to talk about um, missional living in how we essentially are called to go. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I'll give you a second if you guys like to flip open your Bibles. Otherwise, they'll be up here. And we have notebooks in the back on that uh, big white rock. You can take notes as well. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. And this is definitely, we see the gospel moving in great ways here. Okay, I'm going to read the whole passage, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to break it down. So verse 9 says this, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Tros, we put out to sea and sailed straight for uh, Samothrace, and the next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. I think they wanted to just go there and pray amongst themselves quietly, and we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, meaning that she was a Jew, and she was a worshiper of God, but not a worshiper of Jesus, is how we interpret it. Um, she was a worshiper of God. 
the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay with at my house. And she persuaded us. So let's pray. God, I pray that uh, first and foremost, that we live every day of our lives as missionaries, um, where we live, work, learn, and play. And we see ourselves as missionaries uh, called to carry out the gospel to the most darkest places around us and in the city and the area. And we, we take that on as our personal mission. And God, that we can live missional. Help us unpack the truths of this text from Acts and um, how we can apply it to our lives, the truths that we see. So we just thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Okay. The first, the first part I want to break down is verses 9 through 10. So Acts 16, verses 9 through 10 says this. This first part. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision... Uh, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, really the first point is, living missional requires listening to God. Living missional requires us listening to God. See, Paul received a vision from God to go to a certain place to preach the gospel to them. So prayer is not only praying and talking to God, but there's also an element that us as Christians need to stop and listen to what God is saying to us, okay? We know God speaks through sermons. God speaks through missional communities. God speaks through worship. God speaks through reading your Bibles. Um, God also speaks to us through what? Prayer, the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. The Holy Spirit's inside of us speaking to us. And so God does speak to us in visions and dreams, um, that still happens today. That's not just a Paul thing. Some of you might be like, so you're telling me you see visions? You need to go to a doctor right now. No, that's not true. Um, God speaks to us through dreams and through visions, and it, and it does still happen today. Um, I'll give you a quick, a quick example, um, and it may not be like this big vision, but um, in my practice of praying, I also try to incorporate meditation into my prayer life. Meditation does not mean I empty my mind and just try to focus on the earth. You know, I don't do that. Um, I, I'll read scripture, and I'll pray for a little bit, and then I'll just be silent and just meditate on what I've read. And I'll try to be silent for anywhere from two minutes to five minutes, uh, or however long, and just hear God, hear what God's saying. And in my meditation, I will get encouragements, I will just get, just think about God and worship him. In this particular meditation, I'm just listening to God. Some of you are like, oh no, honey, why did we go to this church? What is he about to say right now? No. Um, in my listening to God, I heard of these friends that I have at my old church. I'll call, I won't say their names here in case somebody's watching online, but they're, let's just say their names are uh, John and Karen, okay? So John and Karen, um, I thought about them. I haven't seen them in like six years because they went to my old church. We used to serve together in the youth group, and I just kind of wrote their names down in my journal and said, God brought them to my mind. I don't know what to do with that, but he brought it to my mind. Um, the next day, I was praying again, and it came into my mind like really strong, like John and Karen again. I was like, okay, I'm going to go text John, all right? So I texted John, and I said, and I just wanted to encourage him. I mean, not anything out of the 
out of the ordinary or strange, God, I just encouraged them. So I just said, hey, John, it's Jim. God just put you on my heart to pray for you, and I hope you and your wife are doing well, and I just want to encourage you, like, you guys did awesome things at Bedford Alliance Church, and I hope you're still following Jesus. The end. <laughs> and he said, it's really funny you wrote that because we haven't, you know, since COVID, we haven't been to church in like six months. And we actually stopped watching online about three months ago. And I was just talking to my wife, like, we have really gotten behind in our faith. And I was like, well, I don't know what God's saying to you, but he put you on my heart to share this with you. And he said, we really need to like make some changes. Either start watching and participating in church regularly or get to church one of the two. And I just like put that in their court <laughs> and God put it on my heart. I put it in theirs. But I believe that was a vision from God or God putting that in my heart to reach out to them. Nothing crazy, nothing weird, nothing extra biblical, but it was the Holy Spirit telling me to reach out to these people that I would never even thought of on my own because I never see them or talk to them anymore. Um, and I hope that now they're serving Jesus and being a blessing. Um, so the, the start of missional living is asking this question. Um, Jesus, where are you at work in my life, and how can I join you? Jesus, where are you at work in my life, and how can I join you? Um, so Jesus is going to be at work at some place in your life. And before we start to live missional, it's good to ask him where that is. Show me the open doors. Show me the responsive neighbors that you want me to reach out to. And show me who to, where you're at work, and how can I join you? And that's really what we're doing with every 12th is with every 12th back there, we're simply asking, where are you at work, God, and how can I join you? Oh, we have a neighbor whose backyard is a disaster. I think we should go help them. I'm going to make that at every 12th site to go clean up their backyard, and I want the church to help. And we will help you because God, you've asked Jesus, where are you at work, and how can I help you? And he showed you. Um, so that's kind of the, the vision for every 12th. So be praying that prayer. Um, so we always need to stop and take time to ask God what he's doing, not to try to see what we want to do. Because there is a difference. Anybody here ever rushed to a door you thought was open by God, but you found out it was locked and you got very frustrated trying to open this closed door and it was like cemented shut and it just wouldn't open, it wouldn't open, and the opportunities you thought were there just weren't there? I mean, that, Jesus told his disciples, if you come to a city that basically says, screw you, it says what? knock the dust off your feet and just move on to the next city. If you're trying to reach out to a person at your work and they're saying, stop talking to me, I'm sick of talking to you about this, it's okay. Love them and go find a different open door because that's not an open door right now. You know, the, the burden um, is removed from us um, from trying to open doors that are cemented shut because we're going to spend time in those doors and we're going to neglect the doors that God has cracked open for us. Because when we find those cracked open doors, it's just free. It's open. Yeah, I'll come to your missional community. I've been wanting to study the Bible, and I want to learn more about it. I'll come to your missional community. Whoa, that was easy. I spent four months trying to get this other person to come. <laughs> they, you know, not say we don't still be a presence to those people, but we know which doors God is closing and where God's at work. So asking God, where are you work? How can I join you? And also being open to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, because the Holy Spirit does speak to us. And so and my thing is, if we're not spending time in prayer every day to God, we're probably not spending time listening, okay? So that's why I want us to make sure we set some time aside to be alone with Jesus, not only to pray and read the Bible, but also to listen to what God's doing. Because I promise you, if you listen, he's speaking. 
okay? He was to Paul, he still is to us. Acts 16, I'm going to go on to verse 11 through 13. It says, once they got this vision and decided this is from God, we need to go to Macedonia and preach to somebody there. They went to Tros, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis. And there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, a leading city, which is in the city in the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Um, on the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate, to the river, um, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Down by the river, in a van, down by the river. Um, thank you. I'm glad a lot of you guys got that reference. The young people are like, what does a van down by the river mean? It's a Saturday Night Live sketch. Um, so down by the river, they spoke to a group of women there. A woman named Lydia was listening. She believed. She received. Um, I feel like if this story—you guys read the whole story in the beginning of the message. I feel like if this story were to happen today to you, I feel like a lot of us would feel like this was a failure. And I'll tell you why. In our day and age, everything goes based on how fast are we moving? How much fruit are we seeing? How, how, I want it to move fast, and I want people to respond, and I want 100 people. And if we don't get 100 people, it wasn't worth it, and it's not good, and we wasted our stinking time. It says they went to Macedonia after traveling to all these different places, and they waited there several days before they found anybody to preach the gospel to, according to what's recorded, okay? And so day one, they traveled all this way, nothing. Day two, they traveled all this way, still nothing, nobody to preach to. Day three, still nothing. Now it's the Sabbath where people, you know, pray and they don't work, and so they just, let's go down to the river and pray. And then God led them to this group of women, and they felt called to preach the gospel there. Um, and so many of us might feel like it's a failure because it took too long, and the timing isn't what we thought it would be. And so we're saying, Man, God, I knew you're calling us here, but man, this isn't happening like now. And us as Christians, we need to get past this instant gratification, this instant response. There might be people that you're praying for that don't know Jesus that might not respond to the gospel for 20 more years. But we still got to keep praying for them. You know, some of our kids that aren't following Jesus, man, keep praying for them every single day. And it might be on their deathbed before they give their life to Christ, and that's okay. It's not bad. It's not, not going to happen today, but it's like we keep praying. We keep praying. And I have the feeling Paul said, man, I'm staying here until we find somebody to preach to. I'm going to stay here until we find somebody to preach to. And, you know, the several days thing might be something we gloss over, but I think after going to a city that I've never been before, because God told me to preach people, and after three days or so, and not, not having any opportunity— I'd probably feel discouraged. I'd probably feel like, man, should I just go home? I mean, we, it's been a long time, and we're spending a lot of money here at the innkeeper, you know, staying here. There's nobody. And I'll share another thing that I think that we might think it's a failure. Um, so verse 14 through 15, it says, One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, again, meaning a Jew, not a Christian. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and her members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us to come stay um, with them. And so the, 
the one other thing that comes sticks out to my mind is there might have been more, but here it only records that how many people of this large group of women actually responded to the message? One. It's like, okay, our whole time in Macedonia, you know, we were here, we went on this whole journey, and we finally got a chance to preach to a crowd of people, and I just have a feeling that, you know, the other, how many other people there said, no thanks, you're out to lunch, you're crazy, this is goofy, I'm not a part of this. No, they had a bunch of no's, and they had one person that they record in this story, Lydia, who said yes. Was this trip a failure? No. I mean, how, however you gauge success, you know, however you gauge success, it doesn't seem like that in the Bible they gauge it off of, hey, a hundred people signed a card that said, I accepted Jesus today. It's like they just had one person. But she went home and told her household, and they believed. And then they got, all got baptized. And then he stayed with her. And this is a more of a long-term journey of what happened to the church of Macedonia right? In the church in Philippi, which is nearby. This is a longer-term journey. It's not like we see an instant fruit of we think, wow, we're being successful. It really wasn't that. It was a slow, the gospel's planted, Lydia was baptized, one person, and then through there, maybe years, days, months, whatever, the gospel started to grow, and it started to grow from that one person. If Kevin does his board board game night with Clint, and he brings all 230 of his games— and they do this for four weeks, and uh, people from the church come, and one person comes who's never been to J-Road and doesn't know Jesus, and they start coming, and they get baptized. That was a wild success, right? If we, um, you know, whatever we do, it's like we can't gauge it on, like, the church down the road or what we see on Instagram from a celebrity pastor or whatever. Like, we can't gauge our success that way. And if you just— get to share the gospel with one person from your work that God has led you to, that's okay. That's a success, and that's a win. The other part is, it says that she was a worshiper of God, and it said, can we put that verse up one more time, that last verse? Um, it says, she, it says what? The Lord opened to her what? To respond to Paul's message. And so this is a mystery that we don't have time to get into. But when we are out sharing the gospel, there is preparing work that God does on people's hearts before we even get there. Right? That's why it's important to ask God, where are you working? How can I get there? Because it's not our crafty words or our good message that brings people to Christ. It's God opening their heart ahead of time. And so if you feel like, and I hear this a lot in the church, I don't know if I could share the gospel with this person. I don't know if I could be missional in this area of my life where I live, work, you know, or play. It's like, I'm, I don't know that many arguments. I'm not that crafty with my words. And it's like, stop! Your life of, of following Jesus is all you need. And God's the one that opens the hearts. It's not you. It doesn't matter how good of, of a speaker you are or how crafty your argument is. It's not going to matter if God doesn't open their hearts. And they say that again in the Bible. He said, we are untrained men. We are untrained men who are unschooled, untrained. And so we like it that way because it's actually the power of God that people see in our life. It's not our earthly wisdom that we've gained. It's actually the power of God. So it makes their message more believable. So God opened their heart to respond to the gospel. That should also take the burden off of you as well. 
for the people that you're trying to reach. God, where are you at work in my life, and how can I join you? God, whose hearts are you preparing, and tell me who to share the gospel with, because I know you're already out there preparing hearts. So where you work, where you live, where you play, and where you learn, okay? That could be at your gym. That could be, uh, that could be you know, at your place of work. That could be at your school. There are people there that God's preparing their hearts. Okay. So how are you going to live missionally this week? My heart is that we not only live missionally this week as we pray these prayers that get texted out to you guys, but that we start to live a life of being missional. Um, and I believe, too, this starts with our missional communities, okay? And I talked about this last week. We had a missional community training um, with our missional community leaders last week. And um, the name is missional community, so if we're not being missional, you know, we're not really fulfilling what God has called us to do either. So I told our missional community leaders, find ways that we could um, invite people who are far from Jesus into our missional communities. You could be an invite to, like, invite your group over for Super Bowl Sunday, tell them to invite their friends, have a cookout and barbecue, invite their friends, and eventually say, hey, um, you should come to our—we meet every other Tuesday. Come to our house and let's study the Bible together. Because, again, I think people are much likely to attend a, a Bible study with you in your house or your place where you do it than the church. Um, so I want to share real quick about our missional communities. Did, did that graphic come through, Bruce? Uh, the, okay, cool. Awesome. I made this, so ignore that they're not perfect circles. I'm not a graphic designer. Um, this is really what we call the ecclesiological minimum for any church, but really we use it for our missional communities. Um, it's a good way to, for our missional community leaders to know if we have balanced missional communities. So each missional community um, has three components, um, worship, community, and mission. And really, we want to be balanced in like right in here of like a good portion of all three. So what do I mean by our missional communities have worship? Um, that could, when we think about worship, what do we think of? Music. You know, Ashley is our worship director, and so she primarily does singing, so worship is singing. Worship is, like, singing's a part of worship, but singing isn't just worship. So the worship portion of our missional communities are Bible study, prayer, could be singing. Um, those are kind of the three components, prayer, Bible study, um, discussion about the Bible, and, and some of them we do sing. And so that's worship. And the second part is community. How do we define community? It's having fun. It's like if you're not having fun, then that must mean that you don't actually like these people. Like, right? Like, you should have fun. Like, community is, is when we had a board game night, and we just play games and laugh and get to know each other. And so we want to build community, and you want to love the people we're with. We want to know each other and be known. So the community is very important. If a missional, missional community is all just community, that's not good. It's, it's balanced too much this way. That means all you guys do is hang out and have fun. Now it's time to like lean into the worship and mission a little bit. Um, and so in the mission portion is, who has God called our missional community to? And who has God called us to reach? And so we're encouraging our missional communities to not just do missional activities, which is like, you know, just going out and like just serving at a soup kitchen. That's a really good missional activity. But it's like, who is our missional community called to? And inviting people in and allowing people to be invited in. And once they grow, once the missional communities begin to grow and they begin 
too big, where they're no longer a small, like, gathering anymore, then you multiply off. And so we should be building up other leaders within our missional community to branch off and form a new one. And so, so that's why I said a great way to be a draw into our missional communities is this aspect of missional communities. Because the world is lacking in this department, if you guys didn't know. And that's why I said I think our missional communities are a huge treasure that we have that's very underestimated. The reason being is because people are incredibly lonely. Incredibly lonely. People that are even married or single, they don't have friends. They don't have people they hang out with. They don't have, you know, they don't have guy friends or they don't have girlfriends. They are just lonely. We live in an isolated bubble. And so this is a way we could come together and we could know each other and be known a lot better than on Sunday morning. Because you guys know if I've talked to a few of you on Sunday morning, it's a quick, hey, how you doing? How you doing? What's new in your life? Heard you got in a car accident. I'm glad you're okay. Hey, how are you doing? Like, there's not much time to really dig down deep on a Sunday morning, is there? That's why it's so important that we have this aspect of missional communities. And why we do things like First Step, which is happening next Sunday, is so we have a space outside of here where we could just talk and over pizza. Um, and that's super important. So we really need all three. If we're really good at worship and studying our Bible and really good at mission and reaching people, but we don't like each other as a group, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> we got to love each other. We got to have fun. We got to study God's word and pursue God. And we got to be reaching folks. And so um, that's a huge treasure in, that you guys have that I think is appealing to the world, is that we have this community of people that love each other, that following Jesus together, that people could learn about and become part of. So, um, be missional this week. You guys are going to start getting, you guys already started to get our prayer request. Um, pray those prayers. Um, today we're praying for Michael's church, for Ruth's church, tomorrow, and we're eventually going to be praying for five people that don't know Jesus. So make sure to do those and get those and live your life as missionaries because that's what God is calling us to do. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this message in Acts where we see your gospel move. Um, through sailing, God, through visions, river, and telling people about you, um, seeing you open people's hearts, God, help us live missional. Help us plant seeds of the gospel everywhere we go, and even where we live, God, and, uh, and just trust you to do the work, God. It's ultimately your power in our participation. And so, God, and I pray we leave here all seeing ourselves as missionaries going out into the field. That our ministry starts on Monday morning when we go. And so God, I pray for that for all of us today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.